shed the days like skin Pray for evenings in Hold their hands in the street When you walk them off to school A box too full to shut Cardboard paper cut The bleeding edge of a picture Of your parents when they were cool Welcome to Edu Matters, where education matters. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Bruger. Welcome to the Edu Matters Podcast, Episode 4 Kindergarten Reflections for May 22nd, 2012. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by my co host, Brian Bruger. The Element OP producer, Mark Cockrell, and our special guest this week, Sue Holt. Sue's a kindergarten teacher in Washington State. I've never actually met her face-to-face, though we have even co-presented at a conference. Welcome, Sue. Sue! Hi! (laughs) Hi, I'm here. Do you have me? Yes. We have you, and we're very glad to have you here. So this time of year, we reflect on our students. It's been a a crazy time in education. It's May, and May always means crazy times. So often what we're contending with, besides my phone going off for reasons I don't understand because it was on silent, honest it was. Some of the things (laughs) we reflect on are the students who have grown up before our very eyes. We think back on their accomplishments and their struggles. We prepare to wave goodbye to our students for the very final time. Some of us counting down and some of us with tears in our eyes, but then we watch them walk away for the last time. Growing up is really, really hard to do for the students and sometimes for us too. So Brian, Mark, or Sue, do you have a story to share about when growing up was hard to do? Just yesterday. You Um. grew up. We're very, very (laughs) proud of you. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) go ahead no, I, I don't have any specific stories I was just wondering at what point were we supposed to grow up I don't know if we should I have kind of a, a gross story it's, 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 a, it's a little gross <laughs> Mark we but, welcome all stories you have we appreciate the, the, your knowledge <laughs> don't overdo it uh, one of the those salient moments in life where you realize that you've crossed a threshold, you know, happened to me when I was a freshman in college. And for the first time, I got sick and had to clean it up myself. That's when you know you're a grown up, right? Because mommy's not there to clean up after you when you're sick. So, now, did you promptly get married after this event? <laughs> no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my my quick story about at least one moment when I knew I had I had grown up and kind of wished I hadn't. I think we all wish we we haven't because it seems like when we realize we've grown up, it's because we've just went through a really hard time, some obstacle, some aha moment of, oh, my God, I grew up and that was really hard. Yeah, that was probably not the heartwarming, tear inducing moment you were hoping for. But uh, that was my uh, (laughs) turning point. But I just I think, constantly um, ask myself how I become the adult in this situation. Yeah, when did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> because you know what, what's really going through your mind, and then I look at my wife, and I look at my children, and I'm thinking what I really want to say, and she's looking at me saying, you better not say what I think you're going to say. And I'm like, wait a second, how come I am being held to the standard that is right. far above what I am capable of? You know, my three-year-old drops a cookie on the floor, and I tell her, oh, you got to pick it up and throw it away. What inside, I'm thinking, that's still a perfectly good cookie. Eat the cookie. It's fine. But no, the grown-up thing to do is to say, no, it's dirty. Now we have to throw it away. If you just do it fast enough, it's not a big Five deal. Five seconds. Yeah. Blow on it, and you're done. <laughs> yeah, the sterile blow makes all the difference. Sterile blow and mommy spit can, can fix anything. That's right. Some days, I think that that's true. That's exactly what you need to fix anything. <laughs> With duct tape and WD-40, you're set. (laughs) So last week, a colleague of sorts of yours, Sue, Mr. Matt Gomez, the gangster rap kindergartner teacher. (laughs) I think he's sometimes still in kindergarten or wants to be. He says he does. He was on the show and he he said the same thing. And 
and Mark said that, you know, his wife's in pre-K, so he can back that up, that working with the little bitties, I call them, the younger of even the elementary, you often feel like you're kind of resetting each year. They were really tiny, they grew up a whole bunch, and now you're sending them off to, you know, the great But you're, you're doing some growing up this year, too. You're leaving the kindergarten classroom. I yes. am, and it's it's feeling a little painful. I'm really excited for the change, but it's also scary. I've been having some nightmares about it, about my new position. Oh, no. Yeah, it's. I've been teaching kindergarten for six years and preschool before that for a long time. And um, so I'm, I'm really quite anxious about my new job and have been finding myself waking up in the middle of the night covered in paperwork and feeling like I was, I'm failing at my new job. So it's kind of, it's, it's stressful. Oh no. Well, this time of year is stressful anyway. So we'll just attribute it to that. How's wait, that wait, teaching is a stressful position. This is, this is new to me. I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard this before. <laughs> oh, come on, Mark. That was my tech tip this week. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, and I, I, I appreciate that. That was timely. I, I just never knew there was stress involved in being a teacher. <laughs> well, that's my main reason for growing out of kindergarten is it's, it was eating me up lately. So I just decided I needed something a little different. And so I'll be teaching with an alternative education program at my school, working with homeschool families. And so it's all virtual for the most part. We do have some face-to-face -face meets as possible, but I'll be working with parents and students over the phone and through Skype for the majority of my time. Now, a lot of that you use in your classroom already. I know because I've talked to you about your, your kindergarten classroom. You're pretty tech saturated around there. I really am. I'm probably the techiest teacher on staff at our school. Not that that saying much. We only have, you know, 260 students and probably about 15 staff. So. Um, but I am pretty techy. I do Skype and Twitter with my students, and um, we have a class full of iPads. So we do a lot with technology and iMacs that we use today for a project in the library. We go to use those too. So yeah, we have kindergarten's all about technology for me. The kids love it. And tell us more, elaborate a little bit on what technology does for your kindergarten classroom. Well, technology. In my kindergarten classroom, I just feel like it's so relevant in their um, world these days. And um, the kids are so engaged when we're using technology. And I do fight the battle between making sure that what I'm doing is meaningful and important, not just fun and not just a way to use something new. Um, I do the same activities just in different ways with the technology. So tech allows me to differentiate my instruction in pretty easy ways to meet the needs of all learners. This was especially, the iPads came at a perfect time for me last year because I had kids reading at a second grade level in kindergarten and kids who didn't know the letters in their name and I had to try to somehow meet the needs of that whole group of children. And the iPads really helped me to dif differentiate in that way. The technology like the iPads especially, I, I talk a lot about iPads on my blog and with other teachers just because it's, I love iPads with kindergartens, perfect for kindergartners. Um, technology allows the kids to progress at their own pace and they can choose activities, the apps really easily rather than me setting out five different activities, they can just choose from any app on the iPad or one that I send them towards. It helps them to keep from being stressed out, I feel, and it helps me to meet with kids individually or in small groups. I can just tell the other students to go to the iPad and open up a math app, and they're happily engaged while and learning with feedback from the apps that I pick um, while I meet with kids who need me at, in that moment. Now, some, some will say, that it's a waste of time or um, that the kids are spending their time, you know, just playing games or things like that with these devices. 
So how would you respond to that? Well, I think that they haven't ever been in my classroom because when I decide to use technology in my classroom, it's never a waste. It's um, meaningful and it's engaging and it's something that if my principal or the superintendent or parent walked in, I'm going to have no doubt in my mind that what the children are doing is right on. In that moment, they're meeting a, a learning objective. So if well, people in, think in, that kids are wasting in the kindergarten classroom, there's not much difference between learning and play anyway, is there? I mean, that's exactly. that's their world. Play is learning. Learning is play. Yes. Shouldn't that be the I case in everyone? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I think I interrupted. Uh, Brian said, shouldn't um, that be the case in every I, grade? I do. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say... Um, that I really do believe that learning is play in kindergarten, but there's also a difference between playing Angry Birds for, for, you know, just naming one and say, teach me kindergarten, which is an app that we use a lot, which isn't as play based, but there are other games and apps that we play that are learning based that are encouraging them in their phonics that are help giving them an opportunity to practice their handwriting. Um, and also apps like um, Toontastic to develop their speaking skills and their ability to plan um, a story and retell and create. So um, when you come into my classroom, you'll see me using it as, as a tool, in a, as a piece of my curriculum, as just a tool that I use um, with the students in place of pencils or in place of paper but they're doing similar activities. It's just easier and more meaningful, usually. If that makes sense. My, I learned... found that. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that I found this year using the iPads. It was the first year I started off in September. And I found my students were adding and subtracting and telling time in the fall. Uh, teaching skills that are skills that in kindergarten, I don't usually even approach until spring. And they were doing it on their own through the use of these apps that I already had loaded on their iPads. And I actually found myself having to have lessons in October on telling time to the quarter hour even for some kids because they were ready for it. They wanted to um, play this game that's called apps in our hands and, um, and so I was teaching time in fall, which I don't normally ever do until spring. And it's things like that where the children can learn at their own pace and they're excited to do it in a way that introducing it with the little hand move, the hand clocks that I would normally do. And um, with the math curriculum, we have workbooks that this year I chose not to buy because I knew the apps on the iPad were going to be more meaningful than the, and easier to use than the workbooks would have been. I personally hate workbooks in kindergarten, and so I'd so much rather use an app for kids to practice the same skills that you would practice in a workbook. So and paradoxically, the iPads, the, the iPad almost becomes a cost saving after some point in time. That ought to give some people the shivers. That's a long <laughs> way out in time. The, the, when the when the iPad saves you money is you're talking glacial times of uh, spans of time. Well, I don't know because I I didn't buy any workbooks this year for reading or math, and those generally cost um, fifteen to twenty five dollars per student. And I have 20 students. And so without buying those workbooks, which I felt good about doing with the apps that I have that could support their learning and have independent workstations with, um, I think it really did save money this year. And, and our iPads are hand-me-down iPads from high school. So they're the iPad one. And um, I, I just, and also the amount of time that it saves, I think that ends up being money. When it comes to the school district's opinion, these kids get so much more instructional time 
because I'm not wasting it in transitions. And I can, if I have to answer the telephone in my classroom and talk to somebody from the office or a parent, I can tell my students to grab your iPad. It's already on the table and they're busy working in five seconds or less, really. And that's something that you could never usually do in um, a kindergarten classroom. I'm waiting to see if one of our our techs on board has something to say with the whole idea of a, a cost-saving iPad. I, I'm going to keep my mouth shut only because I know that Mark and I will get into a cost savings <laughs> or is the iPad valuable debate. I, I will say that in our school, um, our kindergarten classes do not have, um, I think there are at four iPads in each classroom and they use them in a, um, you know, in a center in their class, in their room. So they kind of rotate through as they're doing the different centers and things like that. And I, I'm, I'm seeing positive responses from it. Essentially what I've noticed is in the lower elementary classes, it's, it is the, I don't know, replacing, you know, the jumpstart kindergarten, those types of applications that they used to go to the computer lab and do that type of thing. And it puts it, you know, closer to the students and in the classroom. Now, that's only at our school. Um, so, you know, I'm interested to hear more about, you know, how it's set up and, you know, how you're using those throughout the day because, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what offerings can we or suggestions can we, you know, turn our kindergarten teachers onto? So tell us a little bit about how you have your room set up. You know, how are they using it? Um, is this all they do all day, all day long? You know, does it really drive, you know, Mark crazy every time they walk in the room? They're, they're, each one of them has their own <laughs> personal iPad and their legs are folded and, you know, they're wearing their suits and ties and, and just really getting into it, or is it a little bit different? How did how did I become the advocate of suits and ties on kindergartners? What you guys? Because Sean's not here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's amazing what you guys paint me to be. But okay, you go right ahead and answer the question, please. <laughs> well, I have the iPads. I I did start off with just a handful of iPads, and I like your school says. Um, I did start off with having them just be a center, and I really completed and worked with my district to get to where I could have a full-size 1-1 iPad in the kindergarten class. Well, as far as how it looks in my classroom, the children come in in the morning, and they can choose from reading a regular print book or reading a book on the iPad which is nice because the iPad can read the story to the children. And in kindergarten, most of them cannot read independently. So that helps them develop fluency. Um, and they can also choose to do apps that I specifically have on the dock. The, the ones I put on the dock are the ones that um, I have approved. They have their apps that are higher quality than others, perhaps apps that I've paid for or just free apps that are really good, one of which is Sketchio. We use Sketchio throughout the day as another way to save money. When you have an iPad, um, you don't have to have whiteboards because instead you use an app like Sketchio and the students can use the iPad as a whiteboard rather than having the boards, which I usually buy one, a new set every couple of years in kindergarten and the pens that are stinky and smelly and dry out because kindergartners cannot seem to put lids on dry erase pens no matter what. Um, and so we use them in place of whiteboards quite frequently throughout the day. Um, it's a lot quicker for them to get their iPad and sketch you up than it is to pass out a whiteboard to every kid without whacking them in the head with them. And, um, also to pass out the pens and whatnot and deal with the pens that aren't working. We also, so the kids can use the iPads in the morning as they come in, they can do math apps. Um, I mentioned before, Teach Me Kindergarten, I really like. It has math and writing and um, sight word practice in there. They also play Toontastic throughout the day and make stories up. Um, they leave the iPads on the tables during the day unless we're doing something messy like paint and, um, and then we move them off the tables and put them into a shelf. 
And um, we just, the kids use them throughout the day, depending on the activity that we're doing, but they're really just there for, to reach out and grab as needed. I'm sorry, Sue. I sometimes get stuck in the chat room and I'm not supposed to be there. <laughs> it's a bad place well, for I'm me to go. <laughs> I, sh I should I'm have your willpower and strength. <laughs> um, so the, the discussion that, so that's going on over there, and I think that you were perhaps an expert that can, can speak to that, is the kids that you're preparing today, you've been teaching for a little better than 10 years, right? Right. Okay. So your first group of kids that you taught at that young age, they are seniors going into college around that age? That is so wild to even think of it that way. But yes, yes, they are. I'm sorry. <laughs> still makes and me want to cry. I'm sorry. So your first year teaching when those graduating seniors were six-year-olds, I, I hear often and I often have to to take part in the discussion about well what are we preparing students for where we're looking at what devices to put into our elementary labs we still have labs and that's a whole other discussion and the discussion was do we continue to use computers not laptops but actual computers they're thin clients but nonetheless computers or do we move them to mobile devices of some sort and the thing that was kind of the sticking point was, well, in a mobile device, much like the ones that y'all use, there's no sign in. Then, you know, the whole control, alt, delete, remember your credentials, that type of thing. Are we doing a disservice to six, seven and eight year olds by not teaching them that skill, which evolved into the talk about we don't know what the world's going to look like when the six, seven and eight year olds are going to college. So thinking back on, on your early years of teaching, your first year or two, what did your classroom look like then? And did you have any clue of the technology world that those kids are entering today? No, it, well, it, it was much different. I mean, my first classroom, it was a preschool classroom, but I had technology in there, which, you know, was a very old computer that ran some basic software that was very um, kill and drill type software and um, not for, as much for preschool, but learn click here and a, a noise happens or something talks across the screen. Um, and also technology at that point was tape recorders and they could record themselves talking. And um, I, I could never imagine that we would have been where we are now. But I think the difference is, is that, or what it's our job as educators to do is prepare kids for a little bit of everything. So I don't just do iPads in my classroom. The kids use my computer too. Um, we go to the computer lab in the library and they practice the login. Um, I think that as long as we're introducing children to technology in a variety of forms, say through Twitter, say through Facebook, um, I have a Facebook family page and the kids don't use it but we do look at pictures that families post on there occasionally for us to do for show and tell. Um, I think as long as they're being exposed to a variety, that that's how we're helping them and encouraging them to use them in creative ways because we can all pick up and answer the phone, but we want to be able them to be able to use it in a meaningful purpose. So today um, we went to the computer lab and they took a picture of themselves holding a plant that we're working, that we're growing in class. And then they wrote up a kind of a little report on what they did. And for kindergarten, that's like three sentences. And a lot of it includes, I like, and it's green. Um, but it's still them using the technology in for them a very meaningful way. Cause they're going to take that home and share it with their family to show what they've been doing in school. Um, and they are not only writing on paper, but they're transitioning to typing. And um, I think as teachers, we just have to keep up with what technology is so kids become more resilient when it comes to using technology. So they're willing to try new things. My three-year-old, no, she's four now, my four-year-old is so proficient on computers and iPads because she's got two very techie parents and she's exposed to it all the time. 
And I think it's our job, people who work with these younger kids, is just to expose them in in meaningful ways to show how technology helps in the world today so that they're prepared for tomorrow. And I, I hope that the students that are graduating, I saw one of my students was going to prom this year and it just shocked me. Um, but as, as they face their future, I hope they have positive memories through their school years of using technology in meaningful ways, not just, um, and it did start off with those really simple basic games, but now um, my, my kindergartners, it's just amazing that they can talk to a student in Indonesia and then we can look it up on a map and we can share with each other our, our activities that are the same, whether you're in Texas, Mr. Gomez's class is doing the same activity that we're doing and how exciting that is for them to be able to communicate with kids from around the world um, in a instant way. I mean, we used to do pen pals, but now we can do tweeting with these kindergarten classes. And I think that is just creating this culture of, um, that it's really a small world amongst these kindergartners. I'm curious. That's uh, going to help them. Is in your use of of the the not necessarily the iPads, but you know technology in general. But iPads have been what we've been focusing on. Uh, do you see that that technology is uh, replacing classic activities? Like you said, you don't you don't use the workbooks anymore. Um, are you doing the same activities in a new way, or are you are you uh, totally replacing activities, or are you supplementing? You know uh, the you know the sit down and draw me a picture of your family with your crayons. Uh, is that now on a draw me app on the iPad, or are they still doing the same stuff? Plus, I mean, what what role does that fit in there? Is it is it replacing? Is it supplanting? Uh, is it uh, augmenting, or is it all of the above? I think it's all of the above. I think as far as the writing and drawing and creating, it's about 50-50. Um, we, and off, sometimes I let them choose. You can pick which media you use. And I think that's something that we all appreciate. What form are you going to communicate? And I will let kids pick between using StoryKit to draw their picture and write or and paper um it's up to them they get to pick and not always sometimes i'll say everybody needs to go to sketchio and write out their sight words today or um just friday they did writing on paper and today they did writing on the ipad it just varies and it's really which tool fits what i want them to do best for that day and i think that's your job as a teacher to decide which tool you're going to use that best fits the um learning skill that you're doing that you're working on and how do you decide what best fits? Right. No, that was my question. Yeah. How do you decide what best fits? If you uh, if you make that oh. thing, you know, you need to decide what best fits. What what are what is your criteria for that? Uh, is it uh, trial and error? Or is it? Uh, I'm just curious. I don't teach kindergarten, so I'm just wondering how, <laughs> how do you make that choice? Okay, I missed the beginning of your question there. Um, I I guess. It's more of kind of in the moment, and it's also what I want the end result to be. Uh, if it's something I want to use as an assessment, I might do on pencil and paper. Like for Friday's activity I did, I had them use pencil and paper and crayons. I wanted to see how their handwriting was doing. Um, I wanted to see if they're at the stage of writing in between the lines. And I also wanted to be able to show the first grade teacher how their writing's progressing at this point of the year. Um, other things where if it's just like for practice, I would so much rather have them do it on, on um, the iPad to use Sketchio or StoryKit um, because it's not wasting paper. It's um, not taking time to pass out some of the materials you would have to pass out if they were doing paper or hand or workbooks or something. It, it, um, I decide based on how much time it's going to take and what I want the product to look like in the end. And also I find that using technology, the kids are, are so much more willing to take a risk and, and do writing or typing and drawing than they are with pencil and paper because it's so much easier to erase and start over um, 
they just seem so much more willing to get their thoughts out there. So like today when we went to the computer lab, I had kids that were typing sentences that I usually have to um, threaten with losing playtime if they can't at least get a little thought down, just get a little thought down there. But on the computer, they're willing to pound it out. And do you find the technology fosters thought uh, or or not? Because I, I know I hear often uh, at the uh, upper end of the schedule, uh, a spectrum, you know, seniors, juniors, uh, they, the teachers will complain that once you get a kid in front of a computer, the brain goes off and they start tech speaking and, and they devolve into YouTube style literary uh, critique. Uh, and I wonder if that's true at the early uh, level as well. Does, does the technology foster thought or do they tend to shut down as I hear older students do? I actually think it tends to foster their thought because when they have a device in front of them, they tend to focus a little bit more than they do when they're just at the table with their friends. They're so much more likely to reach over and draw on somebody else's paper than they are to reach over from their iPad to the other iPad. Um, and I find the kids are so creative on the iPads that and, and on the computer, but the iPad with the touch screen, they can do some pretty interesting things. Um, no, I feel like it really opens it up for them. I don't see much, and honestly, I don't see much of a difference between what they do with a traditional tool other than that they're a little bit more engaged with the iPad and they're more likely to take a risk like I said before even my my own son when it comes to doing art he will shut down on with using um, markers and paint because he makes one mistake and um, something he doesn't like on there and he just gives up and he just crumples the paper and walks away but well when he's doing art, you know, drawing or whatnot on um, the computer or on the iPad, he just hits undo or he just erases a little bit and and keeps going. And he's created some pretty creative works of art on the iPad, whereas he, he won't sit down. No matter how much how many art supplies I purchase, I can't talk him into doing it for more than a minute until his first mistake. Yeah, I think I'm noticing this because I too am more of a, in, in terms of my teaching experience, and more high school geared. And I like to say that I don't understand anybody who's, you know, significantly shorter than me. And so <laughs> the whole, you know, lower elementary wing is somewhat frightening to, to say the least. But as I have, you know, young kids myself, I'm slowly, um, starting to understand, you know, how significantly I don't understand that age group. But my two-year-old will try anything on an iPad. And my six-year-old, you know, is very geared into doing it and using it. In fact, we just, um, in our homeschooling environment, my wife just added a spelling application. And she said, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're not pulling teeth to get them to, you know, use the set, use the word and sentences and things like that. And they're actually excited to try. So over in the, in the chat room, they're talking about, you know, the iPad and how it changes things. And do we need to teach how to type and um, so on and so forth. And so how do you respond to, you know, people who are saying that whole, you know, you know, we're taking away some of those things where are you, I don't know, is it a conscious thought to say that we're actually, you know, what they are looking, what their future in 10 years is going to look like is going to be this. And so this is the skill we're trying to give them now, or are we just kind of, kind of, we're just doing what, you know, what we feel is, is preparing them for their future you know, 10 years down the road. I, I think it has to, I, to a point, I try to think about 10 years down the road, but I can't imagine 10 years ago, really the iPad in the classroom. It was sure. definitely one of those things like flying cars. Um, one day maybe we'll have one, but we're not going to teach student drivers how to fly a car right now because they're not available. <laughs> um, so, my goal right now we really is, should <laughs> we, 
That would be fun, really, to have lessons. Maybe we could all have amusement park driving lessons. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I try to focus on what the for the first grade teacher is going to be using in her classroom because I also have to think about that as one of the most forward techie people on staff. I do so much with them and then they go to first grade and they slow down. It's like put on the brakes. And so I try to get them, make sure they're ready for what she's going to do with them. And I also kind of use the opportunity to show her what even five-year-olds can do so that she's not quite as scared to take a risk with them. Sure. But, but um, in general, I think we have to teach what we have right now and make sure that we're using the technology right now in creative meaningful ways and and prepare them for the future as much as we can but i i think that at 10 years from now things might be a lot different just from the way that we've gone in the last 10 years from um the classic flip phone to now we've got smartphones and that's a big change you, you bring up an interesting point there when you, when you talked about moving on to, to the first grade and, and having to slow down. Uh, you talked about, uh, I think you said your son who uh, gets frustrated with paints because there's no undo button. Do you think that uh, the the heavy use of, of tech um, s fails to prepare kids for a world in which there is no undo button? Um. I suppose if that's all I used exclusively, but that's why I think that, you know, I really believe in the um, concept of moderation and everything, you know, balance and all things. So um, I think it's important to teach them to draw without an eraser and to teach them that sometimes you just have a happy mistake and you turn that mistake um, into something good when you're doing art or when you're doing writing, how can you fix that? Cross it out and keep going. Um, it's, I think you just have to be really balanced in everything you do, especially when it comes to technology. I think I'm seeing parts of the chat now and I'm, <laughs> it's distracting me. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> I do want to bring up one comment that I, I thought was pretty funny is the comment about, you know, we need to, really teach these kids how to type and as much as I you know okay moment of confession I took typing as a senior in high school because I knew that it was impossible to have homework in typing class because you had to type <laughs> and they couldn't guarantee that we had computers and I was like perfect no homework I'm taking that as a senior and to this day I'm really happy that I did because at that time I didn't know I was going to use it every day, all day in my profession. But I don't know that that's necessarily going to be true of these kids. And so, you know, at our school, we're having a tough time figuring out, you know, is typing really important? We have parents who say that it is because they learned, but I don't know how important it is, you know, for us to teach these kids how to type in the same way that I don't know how to use a slide rule and I've been okay. Yeah, I think I think to a point, just my personal opinion is I think that until we're no longer having to type up reports and turn them in, which students expected to do, um, they do need to teach proper typing form um, just for the ease of speed, quite like we practice handwriting so that kids can write faster and get their thoughts down quickly. Um, we want kids to be able to type fluently, um, but I think we don't have to teach typing in to the extent that maybe taking a typing class like we did in high school. I think it's just teaching them correct form sure. and having them produce at the same time in some way. Having them and and I personally don't think kindergarten is the right age to start teaching typing because they really need to learn their letters in the first place. Yeah, there's a little uh, bit of a literacy <laughs> issue at that point, isn't there? Right. And, and there's um, a muscle issue at that point. It's It's been proven over and over again, kindergartners do not have the muscle skills, memory, or fine motor skills to be able to type. Yes, uh, and I, I don't at any way think that typing should be happening in kindergarten or even first grade. 
But once they're start being expected to produce, to type, to copy, um, to report, that should be being taught at that point. And I think that's getting end of second grade, definitely third grade age. Um, and I know the big dilemma right now is teach typing or teach cursive because it's about that same age range that those are being taught. And, I, you know, I think right now in our culture, cursives are cursives a little bit out and typing is the way people go. I think you do need to be able to sign your name and that you should possibly teach cursive and calligraphy for the sake of art. But um, that typing is more important in third grade than cursive is. I commented in the chat room earlier that I print, I have printed everything since middle school, including my signature. I print my signature uh, because I suck at writing. Uh, my handwriting is worse than a doctor. Uh, so I print rather than write. I printed all capital letters. So go. next week's podcast, we can discuss is cursive in or out? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christy, we stopped hijacking your show. You, it's, it's your turn now. <laughs> I didn't know it was my turn again. We will let you speak. You may proceed. So this this has been a fabulous discussion, and you've, you've brought some, some points that we're not always used to hearing on this show, which we've enjoyed, and that not necessarily everyone here agrees on, which I think was a nice perspective. But I left the classroom. Um, for different reasons, I, I wasn't put in or decided on a different position like you did. It was other reasons that I left the classroom and, and in the position I am now. And there are times when I really miss it. And usually about contract season or May when the other teachers are leaving and going home for the summer, except for their <laughs> professional development and lesson planning and, you know, everything they have to do during the summer. So are you are you ready to leave this? And what does this new opportunity hold for you? Um, I, I feel ready to leave. I, I am a little sad, but I'll be in the same building. I'll still see the students. Um, and I might be doing some work as a title lap teacher during part of my day. My, my new position is mostly just working with, um, the homeschool alternative education program at our school. I'll be working with families and children, making learning plans for kindergartners through 12th graders and um, supporting families with curriculum choices and doing weekly check-ins with the families and the, the students specifically. I have to talk with each student each week to see how they're doing and offer support. Um, so I, I do get to have the summer off. It's a, it's a regular teacher schedule. And I am, of course, like any other teacher, super thrilled for summer to be here. 22 days, yay! Um, I. I am just ready kind of for a break from the emotional and physical toll that is kindergarten. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I do have one humorous story, though, to share. Just you were talking about earlier about growing up and memories. I, I don't really have one for myself, but I do have a student who over the past month has been behaving very, very badly in class and her parents have been at their wits end trying to figure out why she's causing so much trouble in class and misbehaving. And um, they finally figured out, I've been talking to the kids about becoming first graders and um, about behaving like first graders. And she thought that if she misbehaved, she'd have to stay in kindergarten and she'd get to stay with me. She says, I love Mrs. Holt and I don't wanna leave kindergarten. So if I'm naughty, I'll get to stay with her. So I had to tell her no matter what, I'm not going to be there next year. So she better behave. And she has been. Um, but it was pretty funny. It's You never know what to expect out of these kindergartners. And I never would have expected a kid completely misbehaving, hoping to be retained in kindergarten. They're, they're not misbehaving. They're, they're growing their social skills and showing love for you. <laughs> <laughs> She was misbehaving though. <laughs> no, they, um, it, it was, it was a pretty hard month with her and with the parent calling me almost every night saying, what did she do today? Um, but the new, the new, um, job will have its own challenges. And I'm, I'm very excited to work with a homeschool program because in a perfect world, if I didn't have to have a mortgage, 
I would be homeschooling my own children, which is a weird thing, I think, for a teacher to say um, that they believe strongly in homeschooling. Um, but I, I do. And so I'm looking forward to this program. I do, too. <laughs> you do, yeah. too. You do, too. What? I definitely believe in homeschooling. My wife homeschools are two, and because the youngest is three year, or two years old, she's not technically homeschooled yet. But um, my wife does um, stay home and teaches the other two, and it has been highly successful. And it's good to see our kids branch out with that individualized instruction and time that they get. Yeah, I think that there's there's nothing that can replace the one-on-one -on -one teaching that can happen at home. If you have kids that um, some families just can't do it. I mean, whether they have parents that have to work or um, if they have maybe one parent and that one parent can't choose to stay home or make it work in some way, or you have a parent who's not educated and can't, um, just doesn't feel prepared to teach their children at home and there's some like my oldest son if it wasn't for his ADD medication I would probably um, kill him if I had to stay home and teach him but now that he's on medication it should be all good I'd still love to homeschool him if I had the chance but um, I, I can see where some families and children it just wouldn't work for and that's um, you know, the goal of our alternative learning program is to support parents in the decision they've made, but we're not teaching the kids. The parents teach them. Um, anyhow, so yeah, homeschooling is not for everyone, but I applaud those who can do it. And for those that can't, we are fortunate that we do have public school system for those and we have amazing teachers like yourself in them. We thank you for your service, Sue. Thank you. So we, we did get off on our, our great technology discussions. So that's kind of sidelined some of the, the rest that we had discussed talking about, but we have very much enjoyed having you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. It was pleasant to talk with you, and I'm enjoying listening to your your previous podcasts. So thanks a lot. Thank you. You have a good night, and enjoy your evening, because it's so much more early for you. <laughs> I know. It's 7 o'clock. It's still daylight, and I get to go pick up my kids from the park. So thanks. Have a good night. Good thank night. you. You too. Thanks, Sue. Bye. Okay, so it is the end of the school season time year for traditional non-year-round classes. And today I decided to find some more to add to my summer reading list. I came across the teacher tip for the night, Scholastics Teacher Express. I was a little unaware that it existed as a whole. I'd kind of stumbled upon it a couple of times. But they have dollar deals, news to me, downloadable um, materials of different sorts. And it apparently is blowout time. They had a large number of resources, a little more than 1,400 different items that you could download, all for a dollar or less, from curriculum planning to stationery of different sort to print use in the classroom to clip art, elementary teachers, clip art, to boo. lots of stuff. No boo. Some of them were good. So if you have not been by there, it's teacherexpress.scholastic.com slash dollar deals. Do you have a tech tip for us today, Mr. Brueger? I did not, but I do now. Only for Mark, for Sean and Spirit, and for John and Spirit, because I know he would like it that I'm doing it for Mark and John. <laughs> or Mark and, and, and Sean. So um, my my tech tip is something I stumbled across this week. It is called Nearpod. It can be found at nearpod.com, which isn't far away. Um, Near? Far. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, basically, it is a, uh, it's a presentation tool, free, by the way, 
that runs on the iPad where a teacher can essentially share out their iPad screen and what's going on on their iPad with all of the other iPads in the classroom, presuming that there's a few of them. So you can have a cost savings. Let me repeat that. You could have a cost savings by not having to purchase the expensive multi-thousand dollar smart board or other insert type of interactive whiteboard here. Assuming you didn't ever want to interact with a web page of any kind that might have Flash or Java or anything like that on it. Yada, yada, yada. Um, Christy is is smacking our hands virtually for argument and disagreement. So um, nearpod.com, which is near pod. Near pod. <laughs> so anyways, it's a cool little tool. Um, it doesn't cost much at the price of free. And um, definitely worth checking out if you have access uh, to some iPod or iPads um, in the classroom. Thank you for your words of wisdom, Mr. Brigger. Can you also tell our valued listeners how to reach us? Yes. One of the ways you can reach us is via Facebook. And I would like to make a comment that our former host and now friend in spirit Mr. John Mikulski did want me to ask one question, and it has been it has come in during the course of the podcast. He would like to know a little bit about shoes. We haven't heard about shoes recently, and he wants to know about shoes. Is there anybody on this podcast, anybody at all, who could talk shoes? Mark, would you like to fill him in on that, please? <laughs> she is a changed woman, my friends. <laughs> changed woman. <laughs> All right. Uh, to contact us, you can do so at elementopi.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at elementopi, at Bruger, at Christy underscore Vincent. And for the producer, you can find him at Mark Cockrell. Of course, facebook.com slash elementopi and via phone at 559-I-AM-OPI. I was tweeting. Good night. <laughs> and for fancy shoes everywhere, I say good night. Good night. Good night.